when we talk about stepping into heaven and ascending, um, when I first started doing it, I was thinking, well, this is great, but what's the point? But I think in Elijah and Elisha, we see the point of being engaged in heaven and the power that brings. And to give you context, James talks about Elijah, and it says that Elijah was a man just like us. Often we can look at some of the the heroes of faith, some of these people in the Bible, and go, wow, they were just like, you know, steps and levels and, you know, we're not even in the same league. Whereas, I don't know if you're doing the read through the Bible, but if you're not, start again and go again, because it's worth doing it. Because when you read through the Bible, you realise how much they were really everyday people. I mean, if you made the Bible into a movie, you couldn't take your kids to go and see it. You know, the amount of people that, you know, would go and kill somebody just because they wanted to go and kill them, you know. I mean, this whole, you know, was it Game of Thrones thing is just minor compared to the Bible, really. You know, the, you know, the, um, I mean, we think David's this mighty man of God who went and saw a woman having a bath. I mean, why is this woman having a bath on the roof anyway? Seriously. What's happening there? And where's he supposed to be? He's not supposed to be there. This is a time when kings go off to war. He's supposed to be out doing the battle. He wasn't doing his job. So he's slacking off from his job and taking a few days off, chucking a sickie, you know. So he's doing the wrong thing there without a sick note. Okay. And then he goes and has an affair with this woman and she gets pregnant. And rather than confessing up, he goes and kills her husband. This is David. And we put him up here, don't we? And it says that Elijah was a man just like this. Elijah's a guy walking along and these kids come along and call him Baldy. And so he has a bear attack him. Nice guy. Nice guy. Elijah comes along and, you know, it's time for Elijah to move on because he has a big sook, you know. I mean, this is Elijah. He goes out there and, and I don't want to honor what he did. You know, he's out there and... And he's facing up to the prophets of Baal and he calls down fire from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. And, you know, and then the king, the queen comes and says, I'm going to get you. And he runs away like a little sook. He did. He's just taken on the whole of the nation. Has called fire down from heaven. And one woman says, I'm going to get you. And he runs away like a little sook. And whinges to God. And his whinge to God was, I'm the only one. There's nobody else. Which we know there isn't. Because he just met one of the king's officials. He said, I went and hid a hundred other prophets in a cave so they wouldn't be killed by the queen. But he has a big pity party. He was a guy just like us. He had his highs and he had his lows. Yeah? Yeah? And James says that. He says he was a man just like us. He didn't like being called names. And when he did, he had a sook and got angry and got them beaten up. And my point in this is that these guys knew how to engage heaven. But they still had their failings. They still had their weaknesses. 
They were just like us, and yet they moved in the power of God, and we can do the same thing. And we need to move from just engaging heaven to actually engaging heaven to bring change. I was sitting there reading the paper yesterday, and and I flicked open, it's talking about the flu that's going around, and you know, and I really hate the way people talk about flu because, you know, I was, I was with my team the other day and on a phone call, and my boss says, you know, someone, one of the team members caught the, you know, was over the phone, and and one of the team members caught the flu, and she's, you know, coughing and spluttering, and and he goes, yeah, well, I guess we're all going to get it, you know, so it's just going to happen. <laughs> I'm going, nope, <laughs> not agree with that one. But I was reading about the flu and, you know, they're, they're saying that the strain is mutating and the, the danger it is to people and so on. And I just felt God's presence just come and surround me. I just put my hand on that article in the paper and just started to rebuke that flu and just cutting it off and its effect of taking people's lives and, and mutating and, and just growing and increasing. I'm saying, no, this stops now. And just started to prophesy and speak over that. And as I came out of that, that's when God really started to speak to me about this. And he says, listen, we have that power and authority to bring change. Yeah, Elijah's there and, he, and he's surra- Elijah's there and is surrounded by this army because he keeps discovering where the opposing king is and where his armies are and telling his king. And so they were able to keep stopping these attacks. And... and this opposing king is so worked up, he brings the officials together and he says, okay, who's the spy? And they're going, none of us is a spy, it's, it's Elisha. He's out there, he's telling them where you are and what your plans are <coughs> because God's revealing to him what's happening. And so they go down and they surround Elisha's house and his servant goes out and freaks out and says, we're in trouble. And he goes, no, no, you need to open your eyes and see. And he sees the angels of God surrounding them and also surrounding the army out there. And see, from there, you know, things like the city is under siege and, and it's so bad. I mean, this is so bad that they're selling off donkey heads and bird poop. Like, you could actually buy pigeon poop for food. That's how bad it is. And that, you know, the, the best meal you can get around there was donkey head. I mean, things are pretty bad, right? And it's so bad that there's two women and, and they're crying out to the king and, and saying, King, bring justice. He says, tell me what's going on. And, and one woman says, she says, look, you know, we, I made an agreement with my neighbour that yesterday we would eat my child and we did that and now, and today we're going to eat her child and now she's gone and hidden her child. They're so desperate they've got nothing else to eat, they're eating their children. And in the middle of this, Elisha gets a vision and he sees what's going on in the heavenlies and he starts to declare to the king and he says, look, I'm telling you tomorrow there's going to be such an abundance of food, so much that, look, you'll be able to buy flour for like the cheapest you've ever been able to buy it. It'll be like, you know, 50 cents a kilo out there. And he starts to prophesy and speak him because he sees what God's going to do. And God does this miracle and, and these lepers go out to the opposing army and they think it's his, the army coming and they all just flee. 
and they're able to go and just, just clean up this whole, everything they left behind of just gold and silver and food, and there's an abundance, and, and, the, and the city is in abundance of food overnight. And I was just sitting there with God, and he's going, this is how, why we need to be engaging heaven, because when you engage heaven, you can actually shift what happens here on earth so that it changes overnight. Because God will give you that revelation and show you, and you don't have to think, oh, that's Elijah and Elijah is back then and that happened. That's what God wants to do through you as you are where you are. He wants to use you right now to bring that sort of change. Thank you for that Holy Ghost grunt. Do you want me to start again? Elijah. Elijah is a man just like us, it says in James. Do you want to go to James 5? Let me read it to you. Maybe we need to actually read it. Because when you look at the lives of Elijah and Elisha, they just kept doing it. So go to James, chapter 5. If you're looking for James, it's after Hebrews. If you're looking for Hebrews, it's just before James. James chapter 5, verse 17. Well, actually, we can go from verse 16. So this is New Testament, not Old Testament, you know. New covenant. This is the covenant agreement, you know. Testament means covenant, doesn't it? You know, you do your last will and testament. Okay, turn the person next to you, just poke him in the eye or something. Are we awake? Yeah. Muffin, muffins too heavy, no more muffins. <laughs> I know online you're with me, but they've eaten muffins here and I don't know. It's like we've all got muffin tops. <laughs> James 5:16 says, Confess your faults to another and pray for another, you may be healed. Do you like that? Yep. It says that you may be healed. I always like this, you know. We have this thing we've got to pray for people, but actually it says to pray they'll be healed. <coughs> Too often we just pray and go, oh, God will do something, maybe. God actually expects results. When you pray, God expects results. Yes. Have you thought about that? When you pray, he actually expects things to happen because you pray. We've got to get into that thinking of praying, hoping God will do something. No, pray, and God expects when you pray that it will actually bring results. Because it says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman sounds good. Is that what it says? It accomplishes much. We have to start thinking like that, that when you pray, it accomplishes much. But what it says to me, there's also ineffective prayer. But that's another sermon. It says, Elijah was a man subject to what? Natural passions, it says in my translation. 
as human as we are. Anybody in this room subject to natural passions? I know my wife is, you know, she wanted to take me violently by force before. (laughs) 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 Those poppy seeds. Those poppy seeds. (laughs) Going high. (laughs) Peace, man. (laughs) We're flying high. Uh, but it says, Elijah was a man subject to natural passions. That's the translation. That's what it says. It's in other words, he had natural inclinations. He was normal. He was human. He got angry. He got hungry. He got grumpy. He had highs and lows just like you. You know, too often we go, oh, you know, when I get over this, then God will start using me. When I get over that, no, God wants to use you right now as you are. Here's a thought. God knew you would be like you are right now. Did you ever realize that? He knew you would be like you are with your strengths, your weaknesses, with your passions and your desires and your failings. He already knew. And he still chose you. He still made you like you are. Because it's not about you. It was not about Elijah and his grumpiness. You know, Elijah's there, Elisha comes along, and it's time for Elijah to move on, Elisha take on his mantle. And, and so Elijah says to Elisha, you know, what do you want me to do for you? And Elisha says, I want a double portion of what you've got. And Elijah is not happy about this. Because Elisha says, is basically saying, I want to go even further than what you did. And so Elijah goes... Well, I can't really back out of this one because I said I'll give you whatever you ask. So he says, well, I'll tell you what, here's the deal. If you see me go, then you get it. Elijah goes, deal. So the next thing Elijah says to him is, you wait here, I'm going down the road. Elijah says, that ain't happening. <laughs> and they go on down the road and they meet a bunch of prophets. And the prophets say to Elisha, you know, Elijah's been taken up into heaven. You know that? And he goes, yeah, I know, just be quiet. I know what's going on. So Elijah says, Elisha, stay here with these guys. You know, they could do with your help and you know, some encouragement. You stay here, work with them. I'm going to head on to the next town. Elisha says, that ain't happening. Elijah's trying to get rid of Elisha. I don't want him to do double. I want to be the big man in history. He was a man with natural passions. He didn't want his job taken over. See, we, we put him up there, but this is what he was like. Elisha says, and Elisha follows them all the way, and eventually, you know, the chariot of God comes and pulls Elijah up. And what does Elisha do? Elisha picks up his coat and does twice as many miracles as what Elijah did. Yeah? First thing he does is walk back and he parts the water with the coat, just like Elijah did. And the prophets went, the mantle was on Elisha, Elijah is on Elisha. And he starts doing it. You know what? The mantle that was on Jesus is on you. And Jesus says, you will do what I did 
and even more. And you can be grumpy. You can have a bad morning. You can fail and mess up. And you know what God says? It's okay. I still love you. Let's get over this. Let's move on. You see, we go, oh, I've got to be perfect. I've got to have it all together. He says, no, Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. And then at his word, when he said it was time to rain again, it rained. And you know what he's saying to us? Tracy is a woman just like Elijah with natural passions. Sharon's got natural passions just like Elijah. Simon's got natural passions just like Elijah. But the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man, and you know why you're righteous? It's not because of you. It's because of Jesus. Your righteousness is not your own. It says you are the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Because of what Jesus did, you're righteous even when you mess up. Work that one out. That's going to mess with your head. You're righteous even when you're messing up. Because God is not this time, space, all right, unrighteous now. All right, unrighteous now. All right, unrighteous now. That's not God. Even when you mess up, he still covers it with his blood. And if you confess your sin, is faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you're effective, fervent pair of the righteous person. So what's effective, fervent prayer? It's prayer of faith. It's engaging heaven that even at any time you can step up and you can engage heaven and you can see what God's doing and you can speak that and you can change that. And I find God, he keeps doing this. He's starting to release dreams and visions in your life. And I really sense that some of us are going, I don't know how that's going to happen. I can't do that. I don't know because we see our failings and we see what we've been before. And God's going, it don't matter because you are effective and you are fervent because you keep walking with him. And he is going to, to do things and change things and open things up and show you new ways of moving forward. I mean, I, mean, I shared a couple of weeks ago, he's been showing me about how to invest money his way in companies that don't make sense. And every time I do this, He's doubling my money. This is cool. I had to remember to report on my tax last year because I forgot and they wrote me a letter. And I had to pay tax on it. That's all right. He gave me the money to pay the tax as well. He's good. Yeah? But he will show you creative and new ways to actually pay for what you have to do. He will give you the ability to pray into situations and it's going to turn them around and change them. I was working for this organisation and they started going down this whole path that was just ungodly and they were supposed to be a Christian organisation. And we're talking to people and no one's doing anything and nothing's changing. 
And I'm right driving to work one day and God said, it's time to pray. And I pulled in the car park of my work and sat in my car and God took me up into heaven and I was able to speak and to govern into that. And I'd never done this before. So don't think you've got to have it all together to do this. I had no idea what I was doing. But God took me up into the courtroom and I was able to govern over that organisation and within six months the whole executive was gone. And they replaced the whole leadership of that organisation. You go, ooh, that's cool. But you was like waiting for six months? But see, it's not about what you can see because I had seen it in the spirit and so I knew it was done. And it's not because I had it all together. I'm, I know that might disappoint you, but I don't have it all together. I make mistakes. I know that's shocking. Just let that sink in for a minute. That's all right. But I, I'm like Elijah. I have human passions. You know, I don't want to disappoint you, but Dale's not perfect either. She's got human passions. You saw her before, you know. Getting passionate and hitting me. Violence. <laughs> and if you're on video, just come on now. You can rewind it and you can see it. <laughs> we have human failings, yeah? But God says, let me take you as you are. Yes, I'm going to keep working in you. I'm going to keep what he calls sanctifying you. I'm going to keep perfecting you and healing you and breaking through. But we spend so much time focusing on where we've failed that we think we can't step into what God has for us to do. And he says, as long as you're looking at where you're failing, you're not going to step up. He says, start looking at what I'm saying to you and what I'm calling you into. And as you step into that, other stuff will fall off. Step into what I have for you because I have breakthrough. Who you were is not who you are. And it's not who I'm making you to be. So stop looking at the failings and weaknesses. Jesus has already covered that. He took care of that 2,000 years ago. And you know what? You're going to make a mistake this week. Profound, I know. But I would put money on you making an error this week of you stumbling somewhere because you have human passions and the devil knows how to push us and hit our buttons, doesn't he? But as long as you go through this week going, I'm not going to make a mistake, I'm not going to make a mistake, what's going to happen? You're going to make a mistake. Because what you focus on is what you become. So start focusing on what he's called you to do. There's this great article that I've been listening a lot to Jesse Planets last week over the last few weeks because he really talks a lot into this. And he actually did this great sermon, which I'm I'm working through now once a month. I've decided I'm going to go through these 12 things, and I figure that's 12, that's 12 months, right? So I'm going to focus on one every month. But he says the 12 things he says to himself constantly. And the first one is where he talks about vision, and he says he's always talking about his vision to himself. He looks himself in the mirror and he actually preached to himself. He says, I make a great congregation. But he'll preach to himself in his mirror about what his vision and his purpose is. Because you see, the world will come and try and distract you. The devil will come and try and bring sin and temptation and things and your weaknesses. And you start to focus on those and you lose your focus on what you're supposed to be doing. 
When that doesn't happen, then things will happen around you and they'll be distractions, they'll be massive and they get in your face and you spend all your time talking about them, that you're not talking about where you're supposed to be going and what you're supposed to be doing. And you lose your focus. And eventually you don't know what you're supposed to be doing because you've lost your focus. So you need to get back to finding out what you're supposed to do and then talk about what you're supposed to be doing. When you wake up in the morning... I love this, Karen Leaf says this. When you wake up in the morning, say, today's a good day because. And something good that's going to be about it. And when you go to bed at night, say, you know what? It was a good day because. And you start to train your mind to think on the good. And then you start to talk about your vision. And you go, you know what? My purpose for living today is this. And talk about the vision God has for you. Start your day with that and end your day with that. When you have lunch and you're praying, thank you, Father, for my food, and I thank you that my purpose in life is this. Because God has given you a purpose. And you need to start talking your vision more than talking about your distractions. And it starts to change how you think and you start to ascend into heaven and when you're getting up there, God's going to start to show you things and start to release things into you and he'll start to show you what your purpose and what your plan is and what he wants to do and how he's going to do it. And I'm sitting here with what God has for us to do and I'm going, God, I don't know how to pay for this. And then I realise that's not my problem. I've got a Jewish dad. He's Jewish. He can handle money, right? I've got a Jewish father. Think about that. He's the Jew of Jews, isn't he? And Jesus is my brother, and he's Jewish too. And they can do the money thing, right? where everyone gets upset with the Jews because they can handle the money and he's got that sorted and he will show you just like he's showing me how to do a couple of investments and suddenly they're doubled and I figure if he can do that he can keep doing that and he can keep showing me where I need to put my money to bring that increase because I feel like you know let me give you a dialism here you should do a probe the word she uses a soft probe you see when God first showed me the first investment I went okay I need to soft probe this you'll never forget the soft probe now will you and so I took the least amount I could invest into my soft probe absolutely and I soft probed into there and then I saw the return. And the next one came along. And you know what? I was still in soft probe because I'm still testing what God showed me. And so I put the least amount I could in. And it came back double. And see, now that I've soft probed into these and I've tested that water and I know what it is. Yeah, it's like, you know, when, when, um, when they're crossing the water and, and when Joshua was at the water. And they're on the River Jordan, the Jordan's flooding, and they're crossing over to Jericho. He didn't go, okay, everybody in the water. The whole nation runs in and gets swept away. He did a soft probe. (laughs) It's a soft probe. (laughs) 
he, he, got, he got the guys carrying the ark and go, you guys get to go first because if the water's too heavy, at least the ark, you can hold on to that, it'll sink. <laughs> yeah, think about it. That thing wasn't going to get washed away by the water, was it? They could hold on to the ark and everyone pull them back out. Exactly, that wasn't going anywhere. So the priests were actually quite safe in stepping in. They had something to hold on to them that was going to be an anchor. They could just drop that thing, hold on to the bars, and they'd pull them back out. But see, as they walked in, he, gave, he probed into the water. He gave it a test. And the waters parted. And then everybody crossed. When God tells you to do something, you don't have to go and go, All right! He says, okay, test the water. Get some wisdom in this space. Grow into it. So as you're engaging heaven and God starts to speak to you about doing things, we often think, oh, we see, we see the end result that God shows us and we think, oh, here, that's a huge gap. I can't do that. Do a test. Just step a little bit that way. According to your faith. Step a little bit that way. According to your faith. Step a little bit that way. And before you know it, those steps have led you to where you need to be. And God has opened that door. Because your prayer, your ability to step into heaven and see what God wants to do and then to pray and speak that is powerful and effective. That just like Elijah can stop it raining for three and a half years, you have the power to control the climate. You have the power to control what happens in this city because we are called to govern in this place. So I can speak to that flu in the name of Jesus and I can cut it off and say no longer will take life in this nation and I stop its spread across this country in Jesus' name. That that strain dies, it no longer mutates, but it dies. Because Jesus came to give life abundant. And we can start to govern into this nation and we can start to govern into our workplace and our home life and wherever we are, we can start to speak and the vision God has for you as you start to speak that and start to speak that and start to put soft tests into that and step into that step by step by step. It's going to start to open up. And suddenly it'll be like that rushing water. You're about to flow into it. That's why God wants us to engage in heaven because he has things for each of us to do and things for us to do together. And we need to be able to see that and pray into that and change that. So we're going to change our Monday nights a little bit. We're not going to eat anymore on Monday nights. We'll have supper afterwards. But we're going to meet at 7 o'clock on a Monday night, and we're going to pray for one hour. If it goes longer, we'll wear that. But we're going to get together at 7 o'clock, and we're just going to pray. We're going to engage heaven, and we're just going to pray. On Sundays, we're going to eat together. We're going to teach. We're going to grow in that. And on Mondays, we're going to do it. And start to pray. And engage. And as God releases stuff, we're going to start to release that. Because as I was sitting on that, sitting right where Deb is right now last night, and 
sit there at midnight just, just praying and then I realised the cricket was on. I was like, man, I'm missing the cricket. But Australia lost anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, see, I have human nations, just, I've got human desires just like everybody else. But I was sitting there and God really said, he said, you, we need to be like the prophets of old. That they engaged heaven. They knew what God was doing well before it came about and what he wanted to do and then they would start to speak it and declare it and it would come, up, come about and they would step into that. You know, and it didn't matter what it was. You could lie at one moment, he, he's raising an axe head and the next moment he's delivering the nation from famine. And you think one, one is, just changes one guy's life. One changes hundreds of thousands of people's lives. And yet they're both as significant before God. And that's how God wants us to be, that in the small things we're bringing God. In the things that establish our nation and the world, we're bringing God. That it's a part of every part of our lives. But you don't have to have it all together. You can still have your human passion. Yeah? You can still have God growing you and working on you and bringing deliverance in those areas. Because that continues in heaven. Let me give you a picture of heaven. When you get to heaven, you see, you get a garment of salvation, you get a robe of righteousness. Right? Everybody's got a garment of salvation. When, to get into heaven, you've got to have the garment of salvation because that's the key into heaven, right? Jesus, salvation. You know that whole thing? We write on that. But the robe of righteousness is it comes that sometimes when you get into heaven, you don't have that robe. And so you get to hang out and to learn righteousness. And when you have that robe, then you can come unhindered into the presence of God. Yeah? So right now, you can have that robe, though. That righteousness, because you are the righteousness of God. But you're being made righteous. So through Jesus, we can come into the presence of God now. Because he is our robe of righteousness. And then he establishes you as his righteousness. And he starts to work through you and bring that healing and that release and that overcoming of whatever those human passions are that pull us back down. So don't let your weaknesses, your failings, your struggles pull you back down. They don't stop God working through you. Because you already have the righteousness of God at all times. As long as he is your Lord and Saviour. You have his righteousness at all times. And when you mess up, you just confess and step right back into the righteousness of God. And get up there and engage. You know, whenever I mess up, I like to just turn around and go, okay, devil, do you think you won that? Now I'm going to kick your butt. It's like playing a game of footy, because we talk about footy all the time today, you know. You know, if you go to the footy game last night, apparently two teams were playing... You know, the first score on the board was from the enemy. Yeah, it was. The first score on the board was from the enemy. And they could have gone, oh, they've won, and walked off. But they didn't, did they? They turned right back around and did what? Scored against them. 
and then scored again and again and again. Yeah? And then after they kicked 12 straight goals, the enemy came and kicked a goal. Do they go, oh, it's all over, they've kicked a goal. That's how we act, isn't it? We have this new life in God and we grow and grow and then the enemy does something and we fail and we go, oh, I'm such a terrible person. And what do you do? Walk off the field. If they did in the footy game, we go, what are you doing? The game's not over. Get back out there. But that's what we do. We want to kick 12 straight goals against the opposition and the enemy comes and we fall over in one place and we go, oh, and we walk off. And we give up the game. That's stupid, right? When they kick a goal, you know what I like to do? Kick one back and then another and then another. Turn it right around. So when I fail, I come and I repent. I'm sorry. Okay, God, now let's kick the devil's butt and go and do something that's going to hurt him. That's how we need to be. Because the game's not over, is it? We've won, but the game's not over. We need to play out the rest of the game. So when he kicks against you and you fail, deal with it and move back into the game and kick one against him. Step into who you're meant to be. Revitalise your vision and your purpose and go step back in. I'm doing this. This is what I'm here for. Okay, let's go and do this. I'm going to go and pray. I'm going to go and kick the devil's butt. Because it's not over, yeah? Till it's over. Is this sinking in? Yeah. All right. I think it's time for coffee. Yeah? Your enthusiasm is overwhelming. <laughs> I'm obviously not excited about coffee, so I can keep preaching if you want. But. <laughs> Father, I want to bless you that you have made us righteous through Jesus Christ. And the righteousness just permeates through us. Father, we just hand over you all the errors, our failings, our sin, we just roll them over into you and we receive your righteousness and we choose to walk in your righteousness. Father, release your visions, release your purpose, your plan that we may pray into it, we may speak into it, we may see it come through, that you may be glorified. Father, we want to bless you, we want to honour you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.